day. Although I know some of you are sad the last one's finished, I know. Anyway, I hope that you were, were kind of blessed and encouraged by that series, which was called Clothed with Power. And of course, it goes without saying that as a church, we remain committed to opening the door as wide as we can to the presence and the power of God, because that's what we need above all. So we're going to keep that at the forefront, even if we're moving on today. The new series is going to be called Outgrown. I'm, I'm going to set that up this morning, and I think you'll see how it naturally follows on actually from Clothed with Power. And encouragingly, I think, the words that we had at the end of last week and several of the conversations I had after the service reassured, confirmed to me that this topic is the right one for us right now. So you ready? Here we go. We'll dive in. I don't know about you, but there are certain things that I'd hoped I would have outgrown by now. And I'm grateful for all God has done. I'm sure I've come a long way, but I remain frustrated. I remain frustrated, for example, that anxiety still turns my stomach more often than I'd like. I'm frustrated I still get insecure in certain scenarios. I'm frustrated that certain people still manage to get under my skin. I'm frustrated I still overreact and regret it more often than I'd like. I'm frustrated that my tendency is still to try to fix my own problems and turn to prayer later than I should. There are certain things that I would have hoped that I would have outgrown by now. It's not that I fail every time. It's not that I'm, I'm still right back at the beginning. It's just that I know better. I know that God's way works. I know the truth and I know the promises. I understand grace. I have faith, but I still stumble, and it's frustrating. Anyone else? I've got good news. Paul, the Apostle Paul, the great apostle to the Gentiles, he, he felt the same way. Remember this passage? This is Romans 7, verse 14 says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble, Paul said, is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Verse 19, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Can you hear Paul's frustration? Do you share Paul's frustration? Are you reeling this week from falling straight into that wretched pothole again? Paul goes on to explain a little bit in the following verses of what is going on inside of him and maybe what is going on on the inside of you. 
Romans 7, verse 21. I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Reassuring that Paul felt like that. Who will set me free from this life that is dominated by sin and death? He's about to answer his own question. Verse 25, thank you, God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Do you know what? There is a, there is a bit of a tug of war going on. There's a tug of war going on between your flesh, on one hand, and God's spirit on the other. There's a tug of war going on between your conscience and the enemy's temptations. There's a tug of war going on between the grace of God and the power of sin. Part of this is, it is the enemy's conflicting agenda for your life. Often quote John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Ephesians 6, verse 11 says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. As part of it, another part of it is, is the ongoing transformation process, the journey that we're all on, which the Bible calls renewing the mind. Again, familiar little passage, Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, ongoing, by the renewing, continuous, ongoing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Another aspect of this, this tug of war, is learning to respond or to yield or to the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one called alongside to help us who lives on the inside. Galatians 5 verse 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. That sounds a little bit like what Paul wrote back there in Romans 7. We'll unpack some of that, some of those verses, as we work our way through this series. So, let, let's spin this back at you. What are the things that continue to frustrate you? What is, what is repeatedly holding you back and stopping you from flying? You know, we all understand God's call. We, we're grateful for what he's done. We read those wonderful, powerful scriptures. We sing those songs. What is it that is holding us back from that? What is it that is stopping us flying on those wings like eagles and soaring, like Isaiah promised? What, what's your Achilles heel? Familiar with that idea? 
What is the weakness that you have that the enemy repeatedly and remorselessly goes after? And here's a key question. What successfully seems to distract you from what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through you? If we're talking about clothed with power, we got excited about the Holy Spirit wanting to use us and gifts flowing through us and heal the sick and reach the lost and speak words of all sorts of wonderful things. But what is it that is distracting us from that? So rather than living clothed in power, I spend too much of my time clothed with Jamie, in my case. What are the things that continue to frustrate you? In short, what are the things that you really need to outgrow? To, to push this a little deeper, I'm just going to give you three really quick, really simple illustrations. Remember, this week we're setting this up so we can work our way through this for the next few weeks. Illustration number one is a pothole in the road. Okay, you know where it is. It's always been there. You've fallen in it before. You know why you've fallen in it. You know when you fall in it, but you keep falling in that pesky pothole. It hurts, it's frustrating, it's embarrassing, but somehow you just can't seem to avoid it. Illustration number two. Maybe there's, maybe there's a deep wound in your soul. You've been genuinely hurt. You've been genuinely wronged in the past. And yes, it left quite a mark on you. For the most part, God's healed it. God's done some great work in there. You've let a lot go. You're pretty sure that you've forgiven what needed to be forgiven. But you know what? It's still in there. There's still a scar. There's still a little bit of, of weakness or vulnerability in your soul. Every now and again, it gets poked, it gets jabbed, it gets agitated, and you react to that. Again, much to your frustration. It knocks you off course. It takes you on an inevitable downward spiral to places you really wish it didn't. It's so frustrating. You thought you'd made progress. You thought you'd broken free, but somehow it keeps coming back to bite you. Third illustration. Some of this may be what I'm going to call an overspill of your natural, God-given personality. You know, God made you bold. That's a good thing. God made you bold, but every now and again, boldness becomes clumsiness. And someone gets crushed. You may be funny, but occasionally it just crosses that line and someone takes offense. Maybe you're empathetic. Every now and again, you, you just get overwhelmed by taking on too many people's heavy burdens. You may be very intelligent, 
from time to time, you, you overthink, you overanalyze, and you talk yourself out of what God is saying. You could be kind and gentle. Sometimes you open yourself up to being walked all over. Do you know what? Each of those natural traits that I've mentioned, they're good. God put them there. They're amongst your greatest strengths and your key assets. But as they overspill, you know you've been down this road before. You've seen it spill over. You've seen it, if you like, backfire. And the last time you vowed that it would never happen again. Here's the point. Each time you stumble, it's so frustrating because you know why it happens. You know where it leads. You're aware of the enemy's schemes. You can probably even see it coming, but it still sabotages you more often than you'd like. So here are, here are some areas that I reckon we'd all love to outgrow. First one, anxiety. You know, that downward spiral of, of fear and worry and all sorts of negative emotions. Does that one come and bite you more often than you like? We, we know the word. We know what God's called us to do. We know what Jesus did. I know who I am in Christ. How come that fear and that anxiety still seems to wheedle and work its way into my soul and sabotage me more often than I'd like? Second one is, is insecurity. Just makes us feel small, makes us feel inadequate, whatever it is, and, and probably makes us back off and retreat. Another area we'd love to outgrow is, we're going to call it carnality, kind of an old Bible word. This is overreacting. This is overruling. This is jumping up and lashing out. Number four is, not a real word apparently, offendability. It's a good word, should be a real word. I never word to Mr. Oxford and Mr. Cambridge about that. Now, unforgiveness is a prison. Grace is incredibly liberating. How come we still take offense? We know where it goes. We know what Jesus has taught about that. We know the inevitable consequence of that. How come, even though we walk in situations saying, I will not be offended, I will not be offended, boom, there's the pothole, and down I go. Number five on my list, couldn't quite think of the right word for this. It might yet change as the series goes on. I'm going to call it judgmentalism, which I think is a real word. That kind of critical spirit. Those, those deep prejudices that we probably don't even realize that are there kind of sense of self-satisfied pride or superiority or intransigence. Now that looks really ugly when we see it in others. How come every now and again it still comes and bites us? What we're going to do is we're going to spend a week on each of those. And it may well be that, that any one of those for you may be a major and recurring issue. They may be occasional unwelcome visitors. You may not have even realized they're in there, but they all have the potential to do great damage. 
let's talk for a second about what, what that list of things might potentially do. What, what damage do they cause? Number one, they, they just mess up our outcomes. You know, those things have inevitable consequences. Here's the line, rotten seed never produces sweet fruit. Second thing they have the tendency to do is to deposit poison in our hearts. Things like bitterness and resentment and fear and anger polluting our well. Third thing those, those things tend to do, those potholes, those stumbles, those frustrations, is they shift us from the rock onto the sand. That they shift us from walking in truth to slip sliding into deception. They move us from safety to jeopardy. They move us from security to vulnerability. The fourth thing they do is they give the enemy a foothold. You know, he loves this stuff. This is where he does his very best work and he'll keep coming, frustratingly, for the same old weak spot. And the fifth thing it'll do, that, that kind of stuff, is it'll hurt our witness. You know, those rants on Facebook are not turning people to Jesus. And so the purpose of this series is to help us close some of those loops it's to move us up the continuum so, so we have more wins and fewer losses, if you like. More successes, less failures, however you want to put it. Another purpose of this series, and I hope that comes across in the message today, is to encourage you with the reality that every other person in this room is walking, a, is walking the same hard road and is fighting similar tough battles. Now, when you come to the barn on a Sunday morning, you can drop your guard. You can take off your Sunday best mask. You can come out from behind the walls because we are all after the transforming work of God. God, the beautiful and wonderful and powerful Holy Spirit. So that's a serious setup. We spend the last few minutes just looking at a little bit of undergirding theory and to ask, what's God up to? What are his expectations of us? And what are the key principles at work here? And here's the good news. The good news is that God is ever working on our hearts. As our minds gradually get renewed, as we increasingly submit to his lordship, as we bit by bit give him access to the hurts and failures of the past, God will transform us, he will redeem us, he will remould us in the image of Jesus. And his aim is that we might become mature, to become holy and humble, to become strong and unshakable. We might become faithful and fruitful. So we're going to take a lightning quick look at three biblical words that we will probably come back to. And those three words are the word mature, and the word grow, and the word transform. Three words that appear, particularly in the New Testament epistles, as writers are trying to help us to wrestle 
with this kind of stuff. So really quickly, the first word is the word mature. You know, there is a biblical expectation that we will mature. 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Brothers, sisters, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. A couple of familiar passages. Ephesians 4, verse Verses 11 through 15. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up till we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then opening that up a little bit more, verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, falling headlong into those potholes, overspilling our natural personality, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. That's the expectation, that we might become spiritually Mature. James 1, verse 2, 3, and 4, which is a fantastic verse that probably we wish wasn't in the Bible, but it is. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Verse 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. Be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So spiritual maturity is God's plan for you and for me. God sees your future. He knows your gifts. He covets your heart. And he wants to take you on a journey into maturity, into growth and into holiness and ultimately into fruitfulness. Sadly, there is no guarantee of growth. Many Christians effectively remain as spiritual babies. They remain immature and carnal. Faith remains weak and the doubt strong. They don't know the word. They don't get grace. And they remain insensitive to the Holy Spirit. The flip to that is, is I know Christians who think they are frightfully mature, usually because they think they know a lot, but actually they are in so many ways still immature, still carnal, still riddled with fears and anxieties, or critical, judgmental, graceless. But they still carry offense and unforgiveness. Therefore, as no, are nothing like as mature as they think they are. That's word number one. Number, word number two is the word grow. One Peter two. No fire alarms. Three, what have you done? Okay, I think we're okay. I think it was, I think it was a phone. It's 1 Peter 2, verse 1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Verse 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. 
You know, you can't become more saved, but you can become more grown up. Which is the question, what, what could, what should we be growing in? Really quickly, Colossians 1 verse 9, we continually ask God, one of Paul's prayers, to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, growing in the knowledge of God. We should all be growing in the knowledge of God. 2 Peter 3 verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We should all be more gracious now, more grace-filled now than we were yesterday if we are growing. And then 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. You know, we should be growing up in our salvation. We should be growing in faith. We should be growing in love. And the third word, of course, is the word transform. Back again to Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. It's the word metamorphosis. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. New Living Translation says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Second verse that goes with that, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17, 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And here's how, verse 18. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed, same word, metamorphosis, transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. New Living Translation says, and the Lord makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Two golden verses. Really quickly, what can we learn from them? First of all, Romans 12, two, God has both the desire and the ability to transform you. And he does so by renewing your mind with his word. Part of the key to that is to reject the ways of the world and instead to yield to that transforming power. And the second verse, 2 Corinthians 3, is, is that the target of this transformation is the image of Christ. You know, as God is working on your heart, he has a picture in mind. He has a blueprint, if you like, and his name is Jesus. He wants to make you and me and all of us more like him. Simple. So running through this series will be those principles. We've just read those expectations, those building blocks, if you like. And the aim is, is to give us all a little bit of a nudge in the direction of growth and in the direction of transformation and in the direction of maturity. Why? So hopefully we can outgrow. Outgrow those hindrances, outgrow those frustrations and those vulnerabilities on the road to faithfulness and fullness and fruitfulness. I'm just going to give you two closing thoughts and then we'll look at how we respond to this. Closing thought number one. Really important that you get this, and I hope you have this morning. This is not intended to be a beat-you-up series. 
It's not, you should be doing better, so let me pile on a little extra shame and humiliation to top you up. It's not, thanks for reminding me of the recurrent weaknesses of which I am well aware. What's the line? We may not all be in the same boat, but we are all floating on the same lake. So the target, target in this series is hope and encouragement. The aim is not just to highlight the weaknesses that we know we have. The aim is to give you real and positive steps forward towards the breakthrough that you seek. That's thought number one. Closing thought number two, jumping back a week or two. If, if our aim is enduodunamis, if we want to minister clothed with power, then it's important that we can identify and then deal with the things that are standing in the way. This, this probably, at least in part, explains the, the enemy's assignment against you. You see, the last thing he wants is for you to be free and for you to be full and for you to be fit and for you to be fighting. He doesn't want you clothed in spiritual power. He wants you naked and ashamed. He doesn't want you aware of who you are in Christ, but he wants you to be distracted by repeated loops of inadequacy and insecurity and frustration. So guess what? In this series, we are gunning for that. And I'd say this, let's blow anxiety and insecurity and carnality and offendability and pride, let's blow them out of the water. And as we zoom in on each of them, let's see if we can accelerate that maturity, that process of growth into maturity. But wouldn't it be great in six weeks' time, or however long it is, wouldn't it be great to look back and see that we've outgrown those pesky little things that have persistently and frustratingly held us back. Okay, I'll ask the worship team if they wouldn't mind coming back to the front. Um, just two ways I think we can respond. It's slightly different um, because this is a serious launcher. Next week we'll be diving in, so the response might be a little bit more specific, a little bit more personal. But I'm going to give you two questions, two things that you might respond to today. The first one is this, ask God to show you clearly the things that you need to outgrow. It'll probably be a confirmation, you probably know. There may be a degree of revelation in this, God shine your light and show me exactly what it is that I need to outgrow. But I think as we go into this, and I, I've given a few clues, a few hints of, of some of the things that, that, that may hold me back or some of the things that you might need to outgrow. Ask God the question say, Lord, if I'm on this journey of growth, what are the things that I need to outgrow, particularly if I want to minister clothed with power? So that's question number one. And the second one is not a question, really. It's, it's, it's commit to the process. And ask God to take you with us on a journey over the next few weeks. And here's the prayer that, that I, I'd like you to pray. It goes something like this. Do in me, Lord, do in me whatever it is you need to do so that you can do through me whatever it is 
that you want to do. You know, the, the series is coming up. You know, this is an opportunity for you essentially to open your hearts and say, Lord, I, I recognize there are areas. There may be small, hopefully they are. You've come a long way. Praise the Lord you have. But what are the things? And then can you commit to the process and say, Lord, wouldn't it be great if I can get past this? Wouldn't it be great if I can have more wins than losses? Wouldn't it be great if I could have that breakthrough? Because I know where it leads. Amen. That's the plan. What we're going to do, a usual way, is we'll open up the floor for response now for the next few minutes. Over this side, over here, we have a prayer ministry team who loves to pray with you whether that's specifically related to the material I've covered this week, or maybe there's just something going on in your life right now, or so you, maybe you need healing in your body, maybe you've got a prayer request, whatever it is. What's the line I always use? Don't, can't, don't exit the room with the same burdens on your shoulders that you came into the room with when God has said, cast your cares on me because I care for you. So that's this side. This side over here is, is open for people to do business with God. If you want to pray that, let the Lord be in me so you can do through me. If you want to pray prayers of that ilk, then if you come over this side, then no one pray for you. You're on your own. And you can